0: Here. Captain, report. Signatures detected. Shields up. Signatures detected. Context, South Beach Command. Context, South Beach Command.
1: Delay that order.
0: Context, South Beach Command. This is the captain. Context, South Beach Command.
1: Get out of my chair. Chair.
0: Chair. 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 We have engaged the Klingons. 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 Welcome to the greatest discovery. It's a new Star Trek podcast from the makers of the Greatest Generation, and this is its Max Fun Drive bonus episode for the year 2020. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. Ben, I have uh, I've teased you about what the concept for this is going to be. I don't know how you're going to respond. <laughs> you have no
1: idea what the concept for this episode is going to be, is that correct? I have no idea what is about to happen to me. This is, uh, this is all a big surprise. <laughs> well, uh,
0: what this episode is going to be is i think something that will surprise and delight you it is a QA and a with one of your favorite authors really the greatest discovery episode for today is the Q&A with Michael Cheban <laughs> instagram <laughs> michael Chabon. Uh, just I a think few cheban to me he'll always be Chabon. <laughs> or if you're a klingon <laughs> <Boom>! <laughs> It is Shabon, obviously. <laughs> Everyone knows that. Uh, he has been doing pretty substantial Q&As on Instagram. And I know you don't know this because you're not on Instagram.
1: The only reason I know this is our buddy Manu Sadia has been posting screenshots of it on Twitter so that he can thread his derision of it oh no well he, manu hates everything so yeah, manu's a manu's a professional bummer yeah in some regards
0: yeah so that doesn't that doesn't discourage me from this idea at all how i thought this would go is like this okay uh i will flip through michael Shabon's ama basically for uh-huh. star trek picard i will ask you the questions oh. that are directed at him Uh, We will get your answer and my answer, potentially, conversationally, for for many of these, and then we'll discuss his answer to some of them. So we're going to cherry pick sort of the most interesting questions that perhaps elicit the most interesting answers, and then uh, in that way, we will have our own (laughs) Q&A with Michael Chabon.
1: I like that we're doing this behind the paywall because while there was no chance he would ever hear this, if it was in the main feed of our show, it's even even slimmer of a likelihood.
0: I know he's a literary hero for you. I know uh, I, I'm looking at your face. I can see how upset you are. I have a couple of
1: books of his. I, I can see a couple of books of his from where I'm sitting in the dining room of my You don't have to Chabon signal everyone. <laughs>
0: I, th- I think you're... Uh, I think your interests in his work are, are well known
1: to our greater viewership. Well, I hope so. I, I hope I've done enough to signal that because you're, if I don't. You're Shabon signaling if is I, what I, you're doing. Yeah, if I don't Shabon signal for myself, nobody's going to do it for me. Uh, right. But uh, yeah, I also just want to say uh, on your and my behalf, and to a lesser extent, Michael Shabon's behalf, <laughs> and to an even lesser extent, Rob's behalf, right. thank you for supporting the show. Uh, this, uh, you know, greatest discovery is our least popular show, but it is, uh, it's still wildly popular. It's still wildly popular. And like, like the number of download, the ratio of the number of downloads to the number of supporters is by far the highest for the greatest discovery of any of the three shows we have. on That's what makes it
0: go though. Like we, we need that kind of support to keep it going.
1: Yeah. So the, uh, like it's, it's very much appreciated because this one probably has the, greatest amount of uh production input of any of any of the shows we do and uh and probably the highest costs so uh it's really amazing that you guys support and
0: uh yeah i mean this, I is, hope, this I is this is a, this sh- is a fun episode <laughs> it'll be great uh this is a show that will never tour either so it, it will never be the
1: beneficiary of that kind of right uh, financial mistake. <laughs> well, you know, with the uh, with COVID-19 doing what it's doing, I'm wondering if anyone will ever tour anything ever again.
0: Yeah, it really makes me rethink the whole handshake policy that we yeah. have all,
1: after the show. It's all live long and prosperous from here on in. Wow.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, let's dive into some of these questions, Ben. One of the questions, one of the most asked questions seemed to be of the, uh, when are we going to see this character... In the show. And I think a way to ask you that question might be in the form of, of a prediction. Like we already know that, uh, Riker and Troy is going. And by the time this episode comes out, we'll have already been in Star Trek Picard. Right. We've already seen seven of nine, uh, Many, many people asked Michael Chabon, uh, when are we going to see Blank on the Picard show? And the very first time we encountered this kind of question has to do with Catherine Janeway. Yeah. So I will ask you the question, do you think Catherine Janeway is going to be in the show? Slash, who are the other stars, characters of of Star Trek properties that you predict will be on this show? And let's just say in season one.
1: Well, I'll start my answer by telling you an anecdote about going on the Greatest Gents subreddit where somebody was asking a question about Hugh on there. And uh, just just the casual uh, request for information that that uh, included reference to a character who was in the trailers (laughs) and somebody goes, hey, fuck you for spoiling. That's great. (laughs) Yeah.
0: You remember the very first chemistry experiment you did in, in junior high or high school where like you learn about concentrations and like <laughs> you put the flame underneath the uh, underneath the glass tube and you're like turning a liquid to steam and then it's going to the other side and it's super concentrated on the other? Yeah. That's
1: Reddit. <laughs> like that's, that's what you just described to me. <laughs> Perfect. I still enjoy going on Reddit occasionally, but yeah. It's one of those things where, uh, like, oh, I want to respond and and just say like, "Hey, I, th- I don't think that's fair," but then it's like, it's also like, I don't know that I'm going to add anything to the situation <laughs> at that point.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, good for you for going there. Uh, I'm I'm there so little.
1: Yeah, that it gets, uh, it gets honestly harder and harder to read the comments. Yeah, every day.
0: Yeah, and. And by saying that, I think we're both agreeing that like 99% of them are positive.
1: Yeah, it's just that we're so bad at, yeah. at overblowing. we're, we're the, the molehills of the of the one percent bad comments y- we make into mountains.
0: You know who's great at social media is Michael Chabon. Uh, Like he, I know is, has fielded probably a hundred different versions of this question Uh and many more that are like, why are you making Star Trek so dark? Why are you (laughs) showing eyeballs being ripped out of heads? This isn't my Star Trek. Like, and he to almost a comment, uh, treats them with like a fair, like a sincere amount of humanity and like, uh, and care in a way that, uh. Wow, I, I don't know where he, he has the the
1: emotional resources to do that. I wonder if it's something about coming from the literary world cuz mm. like the kind of criticism you get for a novel, especially a like Pulitzer prize level right. kind of novel, yeah. has got to be such a different beast from what you get for making a sci-fi show. Right. Maybe he's just bringing a different like a cultural ethos that is very alien to the like universities bringing it to. Yeah, maybe. But I don't know. Like, I that was definitely something on my mind when we went to the premiere. Like, he's one of the few people that I actually walked up and talked to. Yeah. And I, you know, I didn't have a great connection to him, but I uh, his brother was a drama teacher at my friend's high school, and I knew his brother a little bit when Hmm. I was in high school. I had a, a tiny little, like, finger hold of a connection, and I... I exchanged, you know, five or 10 sentences with him at the at the premiere, but if that conversation had gone much longer, one thing that I was very eager to know was like what his plan was for the release because making a Star Trek series or any like nerd culture property at this point, like you are going you are spoiling for abuse, mm-hmm. you know, like no matter who you are, whether yeah. you're Ryan Johnson or JJ. Abrams or George Lucas <laughs> like like people people have positive and negative reactions and the negative people are loud and organized in a weird way. Like, the
0: only reason to take a job is because you have such a well of love for the material. yeah that there must be a moment of pause before accepting a job like this where you're like will I, will that well get poisoned? Right. Will I grow to dislike the thing as a result? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. You hate to think that that would happen for anyone, but in the case of, like, I don't think it's happened to Ryan Johnson. I think he continues to love Star Wars as much as ever, but like, wow, if anyone is an example of the dangers of this
1: thing, it's probably him franchise media properties are so weird for that too because yeah. like I mean like if you think about like what would happen if they announced like hey we're getting the Beatles back together and they're gonna be there's gonna be a new Beatles album mm-hmm. and every member of the band is somebody new mm-hmm. like we're we're recasting the band with new Beatles right. and uh the Beatles are coming back, baby. Like you know, after all these years they're back. Like people would, you know It would short-circuit brains, but like that's something that happens with TV and movie things all the time.
0: I think the difference here, at least I hope one of the differences with the new Star Trek shows, is that I really think they're coming from a place that is motivated by a desire to make something good versus make money. I mean, that there are a million people laughing at, <laughs> within 50 miles of my voice right now right. about that idea, but it seems more likely... Well, they're, they're
1: pausing their laughing so that they can light their cigars with their $100 bills. But
0: <laughs> It seems more likely with a property like this that it would be motivated from the right place than than a giant... Hollywood studio system hoping to cash in on an opening weekend. Like this is gonna this is gonna live
1: right much longer. Yeah, the the calculus is a little different when you're making a prestige television property that's gonna live on a streaming app forever. Back to the question though. Uh who's
0: coming back that we haven't seen before? Who's you think? coming back? Is it Janeway? I think it's Lore. God, it's a good one. We talked about this off mic. Where's Lore? Lore lore not referenced at all in season one so
1: far. Yeah. Try not to be jealous of my ability. And for Disco, I'm going to say Cybok. That would be amazing. (laughs) Cybok melded
0: with quote unquote God. Yeah. We don't know what happened to him.
1: There are lots and lots of ways to write that Cybok survived that and has lasted thousands of years. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think for Picard, I am going to say Geordi. Uh I also, on my drive down here, I listened to that, the uh, Star Trek Picard book. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think I think Jordy's going to show up in Picard. I don't have a guess for Discovery. I don't know who's still going to be around. Yeah, point. fair enough. Uh, Michael Chabon... Says what he always says in an answer to this question. The power to answer that question does not lie in my hands. This is a very magic eight ball type of type of answer he has to that one.
1: Yeah, that's a like. There are suits that would chop my head off. He probably has pretty some pretty vicious clauses in his contract about what he yeah. can and can't say.
0: Uh, here's another question that is a kind of question that. I'm reading a lot, which is Star Trek was always about a future in which we were better than the past. Why change the tone like this? How would you answer this question?
1: This is a show that is clearly not made by communists. (laughs) Original Star Trek was, Um, but I think also like you can look at that from a whole bunch of different angles to my mind. And like, I think that the, cultural imperialism of early TNG and TOS especially are really regrettable elements of those shows Mm -hmm. and very dystopian. Like they don't maybe seem dystopian to people that were repeatedly told throughout the 20th century that those weren't dystopian ideas. But I think like the more I think about them, the more, awful some of that stuff seems and um i don't know like i'm i'm definitely changing on this on a day-to-day basis as our civilization crumbles around us but i uh i wonder if there's like something more hopeful in the kind of uh interacting with other species part of this and less hopeful and, and, and more, like, clear-eyed and realistic, mm-hmm. and maybe the, like, economic utopianism is a little bit less self-assured. Um, Doesn't it also feel as though, like,
0: original Star Trek and Next Generation Star Trek sure seem to be telling stories from within Starfleet a whole lot more yeah. than the new Star Trek shows, which... Uh, like leaves the yard a little bit and and goes and plays in faraway sandboxes. And those are cultures and values that are totally different than, than what we've been used to
1: previously. Totally. And I mean, like, what if in the case of Rafi, you are so devastated by what happened in, you know, when your career just suddenly ended and blew up in your face, a career that you'd set your entire family aside for Mm -hmm. (laughs) like, like, can you fall through the cracks? Can you intentionally find cracks to fall through? Right. And like, or is the economics of the future so perfect that there are no cracks? And I have a hard time imagining that that would be the case. Like, I- There's
0: no social safety net prison that you can't break out of somehow. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs>
0: Mr. Shabon says, uh, the tone of Star Trek Picard may be darker at times than some Star Trek has been at times in the past, but we are not worse. We are still as human as ever and as likely as ever to be thrown, as Captain Sisko once suggested, whenever we encounter the reality beyond the windows of Starfleet. And I think that's that's sort of what we're getting at, too.
1: Yeah. He said what you said.
0: Yeah. And I think that's fun like I uh, I get caught up in the, the nostalgic aspects of being a Star Trek fan as much as anyone else but <laughs> Bill Shatner isn't walking through that sound stage We're not rebuilding 60 sets or Tng sets right We can't and and to do it would be silly and dumb yeah it and, would be
1: way more derided. Oh yeah, <laughs> it would be humiliating to
0: for everyone involved to do it that way.
1: Yeah, the one thing that like I really credit TNG with is like those sets. I think would still look cool if you shot them on modern aspect radio- ratios with modern cameras and modern. I think costumes. that was one of the
0: things that we liked so much about Star Trek Generations was like yeah. relighting those sets for
1: film. Yeah. made them really shine. It just looked cool as fuck. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna ask you a question, okay. Adam. When we go to Star Trek Las Vegas, everybody knows that we try and drink lots of drinks that are served in plastic zebra hoofs. That's right. What is your ideal zebra hoof drink if you had to pick one? Because, like, I so think so I, often they're picked for me and I'll this get, has been
0: dangerous. I
1: think that I think that if I have one criticism of zebra hoof mm-hmm. is that it assumes that we have very lowbrow taste in yeah. boozy beverages.
0: Are you saying that I can choose an option that is not available to me yes. at the hoof bar?
1: I'm saying fantasy zebra hoof. What would you drink?
0: God, that's tough because like lately I've been drinking like a lot of martinis and stuff, but you can't drink a hoof full of that. No. There's a dosage yeah. to that that's important to get right. I mean- I think the last drink I had in the hoof was probably the best one, like the hurricane. The hurricane is good. In the hoof is probably the only choice to make now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think maybe just a slightly upmarket booze cause because you know, it's it's the mix and then they pour the booze in and, and I think part of the problem with those is that the, the booze is rot gut. Yeah. I wonder if you I mean Could you top is shelf the hoof. Very libertine. I wonder if we walked down there with our own booze. If they would let us get away with that. Here's one
0: for you, Ben. Okay. Who are your favorite characters from each series of
1: Trek? Wow. So TOS. TOS. I think Leonard McCoy is one of my faves. And uh probably Sulu as well. Like, I feel like. I haven't seen a ton of episodes of DOS with Sulu in them but I I feel like he's got this kind of like kind of like jocular like he he seems like a fun hang you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. he's not he's not playing a uh you know a junior officer who's super deferential to everybody all the time to a fault like when he's on duty he is but when he's not on duty he seems like this guy knows how to cut loose and have fun. You know who does get that kind of latitude while on duty?
0: I mean, I would say McCoy gets that, but, yeah. but low-key, Uhura. Yeah, Uhura's like she can uh, shoot her mouth off while at work. She's, and, it, and she's allowed to. And I think that's that might be what makes her my answer to that question. I think I think McCoy for sure. Yeah. Is an easy answer. What about TNG? Let's see. Fave
1: characters, obviously Wesley Crusher. Uh, obviously because i based, i wouldn't oh, i based right. my entire life around him yeah all right <laughs> uh, and uh i don't know you're gonna say ensign Rowe. uh no i'm gonna say Riker. wow yeah just because you admire the the stick man game i mean there's never been a, a better stick
0: man than
1: will Riker. i think uh, i think it a lot of Kirk stands would would take issue.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know in a in a fuck for fuck competition between Kirk and Riker. yeah, you really think it's Kirk that comes out on tap? hmm I don't know. I think uh, I think Riker's the last stick standing,
1: yeah Riker had a lot more seasons to do a lot more fucking.
0: <laughs> yeah, you might be right. What about d s nine? And that's as far as we'll go, I'll say, because that's as far as we've gotten in yeah. Greatest Gen.
1: Let's see. DS9 characters. I like O'Brien in Deep Space Nine. I feel like he's... Um, it's fucking miraculous that Deep Space Nine got to get to seven seasons, given how much of an identity crisis the show seemed to have for yeah. so much of like the first three. Yeah. And I think a lot of the characters, O'Brien included and especially like Bash- Bashir was like yeah just all over the place like is he a lecherous creep is he you know is he like the greatest mind of, in starfleet like who knows yeah uh, but O'Brien uh, I feel like at, in the episodes that we're like starting to get to now and for the last season or two has been a ton of fun and I think I think he's my He's my fave. He's the
0: everyman. I think that's the answer. Yeah. He just seems cool. Uh, Michael Chabon says Spock for TOS, Data for TNG, Dax,
1: and Odo for DS9. Wow. Kind of the the characters that are most emotionless, which is surprising given how much more emotionally charged Picard is from the eras of, of Trek that he's citing there. Yeah. <laughs> It's fun to
0: see him get the sort of message that we get from time to time. Like, someone who's just offended. Offended by the very idea. Somebody that takes Um, great umbrage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Like, not so much a question, but more of a comment. Uh, I found found the Rios ENH to be deeply offensive.
1: Wow. (laughs) Sure, whatever. Which one is the ENH? But there's a hospitality, there's Uh a medical... There's a, re- like ship repair, right? Yeah. And that I was think, the Scottish one. I think one? there's an E H
0: for all occasions.
1: Yeah, clearly. What? Does this person go into what offended them?
0: <laughs> no, very, very, <laughs> very short question. And uh, and and Chabon, to his credit, is like uh, offended, deeply offended, all caps. Sure. <laughs> okay. Wow. Uh, ben. Adam. Were you ever ashamed of your fandom slash nerddom when you were growing
1: up? You know, I think that my embarrassment had a lot more to do with choices I made surrounding it. Mm -hmm. West Hot American Summer is an example of that and if you're listening and don't know the reference from Greatest Gen, it's uh, a time I went to summer camp and introduced myself to people as Wesley because I thought Wesley was so cool. And then, like later, you know, like I made a couple of friends at summer camp, and later, like, had to admit to them that that was not, in fact, my name. And
0: did they stick around as your friends, or when the name change was suggested, they were like, "All right, well, I'm out. (laughs) I'm not going to get used to calling you Ben now."
1: There was one kid in particular who I, I, you know, would go over to his, his house, or he'd come over to our house to to play from time to time, who. Really took it with a lot of aplomb. He was like, "Oh, okay," <laughs> and just he he switched and didn't make a big deal out of it. And that is a good person right there. I know, like, well-raised little little tyke. Uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> just accept people for who they tell you they are. Wow. And don't ask a zillion questions about it. it was a. Uh, I, I think we could all uh, learn a lot from that. But um, like. I think mainly, I just didn't know anybody that watched Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Like, my my parents really wanted me to, like, limit the amount of media I consumed. Like, mm-hmm. I, was, I was only allowed an hour of television a day, and mostly one of them or the other... The rest other... of the
0: hours you were put in your box? <laughs> yeah.
1: I was zipped up and, and locked in. Um, and uh, But, like, they would, like, watch with me. One of them would watch with me. Because they were also like part of that like boomer parent generation that was told that their children were consuming terrible media. Like I wasn't allowed to watch The Simpsons. It took them a like earlier in life. It was like a sustained six months of begging that got me allowed to watch the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Wow.
0: And that's one of the great cartoon
1: programs. Right, but it, you know, there are swords and things. So, wow. like they were very very yeah. worried about my media diet and so I just didn't know kids that like were into it and I think I just assumed that everybody had their own thing. Like I knew a kid in my class that was into Ghostbusters and I didn't know what Ghostbusters was. As in the real Ghostbusters or Ghostbusters the movie. I'm guessing the real Ghostbusters, because he had, like, a set of toys at his house. And... I was
0: obsessed with that show. Yeah, growing so up.
1: I didn't really know from that show mm-hmm. until, you know, until later.
0: Have you ever post that with your parents? Like, do you think it mattered, your, your media diet growing up? Did it change you uh, in any way?
1: I, uh, you know. I mean, it's impossible
0: in... to say, but, like... Yeah. <laughs> But I feel like we're, I, I was never put on such a diet and I feel like we're a lot alike in many ways in our, in yeah. our points of view when, it, when we
1: approach this stuff. I think part of it is that TV and movies feel very high stakes to me. Like I noticed, you know, when we're around the house, if I get up to go grab something from the kitchen while we're watching a show, like I pause the, the show mm. and I don't want to miss anything it has more value to you and like my wife doesn't care at all yeah she grew up watching as much as she wanted yeah it's a it's an abundant resource for her and it's a very scarce resource to me
0: you know what you grew up media poor and she grew up media rich yeah
1: this is why uh, i'm i have this new self-help book coming out called media rich dad media poor dad (laughs) (laughs) that's great yeah i mean i
0: we've we've told these stories before on the show but i i I watched TNG in elementary school. I had one or two friends that also did. Uh, I watched Star Trek because my dad got me into it. We would watch together. But I was very open with my fandom Uh from a very young age until I was convinced not to be uh, socially. Right.
1: Like 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 that's dorky.
0: When when it's weaponized against you repeatedly for years, you just like, you stop wearing the shirt. Right. And I, that's, and that's pretty much how it went for me. Like you don't, you don't disclose it as a top line thing about yourself uh, to other people.
1: Yeah. By the time I had that amount of self-awareness, I think I could kind of see it coming. hmm And, Like once the toilet water reached like your (laughs) chin (laughs) and you start like once you
0: were submerged enough to make bubbles, that's, that was the point. Well, you always make fun of me for the tennis academy,
1: but it's like, it's not actually super far from like the, I went to the same school from kindergarten through eighth grade. Yeah. It was 35 kids per grade, two classes per grade. So wow, I like the kids I grew up with, like there's. So There's... it would be sort of a round-robin tennis
0: tournament situation where, like, all the courts would be <laughs> right. filled up with double teams?
1: Like, they literally had, like, a golf section in PE. It's great. Uh, I was not good at it. Didn't, yeah. didn't care about it. Didn't know about it. But, um, yeah, like, I, I mean, I, this was not because... You were my... ostracized for bringing a putter with a
0: uh, less than 10-degree shaft on it? <laughs> See, I don't even know what that means. <laughs>
1: I mean, like, I, I don't want to give the wrong impression. My family is not rich. My mom was a public school teacher, right? In I mean, the town were, that I would have gone to school in, you when were I,
0: disallowed from watching more than an hour of television because that's when they had to turn off the power to your house.
1: Right? <laughs> no, I mean, but and my dad worked for the city. Like, like right. they, like they made like very middle class incomes, and we were not. We didn't want for anything, but we were also not. Like I was surrounded by kids that were way higher. Mm -hmm. socioeconomic status than I was. Right. And mainly out of naivete didn't understand that. Yeah. So like, I think that like, I just assumed that they all had their own like weird shit that they did when they went home and this was my weird shit. And then when I got to high school and it was a different high school and I was around different kids, like I, I could see like You know, like, oh, these guys are talking about Babylon 5 on the Mm -hmm. bus. And they are very different from these other people who are talking about status denim or whatever. (laughs) Let me
0: ask you a follow-up question that is off off book here. To what extent do you feel like fandom is related to class? Do you feel like you were more interested in science fiction because you were not one of the wealthy students in school? Do you think... uh, do you think science fiction is
1: more attractive to someone with fewer resources? I don't know. I th- I th- my class consciousness came online super late also. Like you pay for your fourth or fifth hobo fight and like right. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just like I I was like vaguely aware that like my parents were making different decisions than my peers parents like mm-hmm. oh I wonder why my dad's car has cloth seats and nobody else I know has that. Right. And But I didn't like, I didn't, it never seemed to me like, oh, like my dad doesn't have the money for a a leather interior car. It's It's just that like my dad cares about different shit.
0: I mean, you're going to have to find a different car to jack it in. (laughs) (laughs) Something with uh, seats that are more easily cleanable. Right. Michael Chabon says, only very rarely, but not for the want of many people trying to make me that way. Somehow, I always had a sense that it was about love, that you can't help loving the things you love, and you can't be ashamed of the things you can't help. It also strengthened me that my dad was also kind of a nerd, and he didn't seem ashamed of it in the least.
1: I think that maybe like my big regret about my childhood is that I was a little bit ashamed by the time I got to high school. I saw, I saw those kids talking about Babylon five. And I was like, it, like I can, I could cut it up with those kids all day, but I'm going to not right now. And I think that that was a, a love limiting move, you know, like, I think that I was, you know, I, I look back on that with regret and I've actually seen a couple of, the uh kids that i went to high school with come to to greatest gen live shows and love it so
0: and and when the strap of your underwear is drawn once again yeah. it's like above a, your head yeah,
1: hey you guys can't come in here this is the
0: green room <laughs> 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 shut up nerd <laughs> <laughs> They're just inescapable. Yeah. God, what if your bullies followed you around your entire life?
1: <laughs>
0: How awful.
1: <laughs>
0: Quick yes or no, Ben. Okay. Will we see the Enterprise in Star Trek Picard?
1: The E? The the Enterprise of this era? Oh, because we know that they keep making them. Will we see her? I'm guessing that they are saving that for season two because they don't want to do end of season one disco again.
0: That's a great answer. I was going to just take the other side of whatever you said (laughs) as my answer. Yeah. Uh, but you know what, I guess in saying that I'm saying that we're going to see that ship before the finale Yeah. that would wiggle out of this whole end of discovery. It would would have to be, it
1: would have to be like soon if, if it's going to happen. I mean that's uh taking off that thing about Reddit where the person was mad that there was a spoiler about Hugh being in the show. Peace going on the view and inviting Whoopi Goldberg for season two of Star Trek Picard. Yeah. Was a bummer to me because I was like, fuck, I really wanted Whoopi to be on this on this first season. Right. Yeah. So you know to eliminate her from right. from your hopes. Unless that was like all misdirection and she's already on it. You know, they've already shot her scenes. That would be great. (laughs) That would be great. I know not to trust anything we're hearing
0: from the Star Trek industrial complex. You and I have known this for years. Because
1: Kurtzman has straight up lied to the press a bunch of times now. He
0: absolutely has. Yeah.
1: Yeah. All right. And you know what Chabon's
0: going to say to this. I can't answer questions that amount to tell us what's going to happen. (laughs) Uh, But those are great questions to get us to sort of scoreboard our own predictions. Yeah. So I think those are fun. Yeah. So let's do a couple of more of these, I think, before maybe wrapping it up. I'm going to try to find uh, the best ones remaining. Sure. I saw such sexual tension between Annika <laughs> and Jay. Am I right? Wow. So this is uh, this is the seven and nine character and the sparkly dressed woman uh, on Free
1: Cloud. Right. I think that that's just wishful thinking on the part of that horny ass fan. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Chabon says, definitely. Wow. So there you go.
0: There's okay. there's some
1: confirmation there. I often don't pick up on those subtle <laughs> signals that women send. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you and me both. <laughs>
0: okay, here's a question, Ben. If you could be any race in the Star Trek universe, what would you be?
1: Hmm. Problematic, first of all. <laughs>
0: Uh, of course, of course you would think that. Yeah.
1: I mean, this isn't the 60s. We're not just casting actors to play different races. Uh,
0: my my stock response to that is none of this is real. <laughs> These races aren't real. It's true. Um, it all means so many different things in the future. Um, I mean, I'd want to be a Klingon. I'd want I want double the gear. You want to double it up. You want your loaf to go all the way down. Really would. I think that would be fun. What would that body feel like? Would it feel heavier? I bet it would.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think I think so. Yeah. In uh, Star Trek Enterprise, there's a lot of Andorian characters, mm-hmm. and they managed to do something with the antennas so that they move and mm-hmm. like react to like they they have some some kind of emotional signaling function. Like they'll like spring the, up in surprise or like droop. like the tail of a dog. Yeah. And, uh, I don't
0: think I'd like that at all. I I, you've, I mean, you make fun of me a lot for the face that I make,
1: <laughs> which is like this blank, yeah. uh, somewhat- If you've ever been to a Greatest Gen show and, and seen Adam's face when I'm talking and he's not. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I like the idea of a costume that- is remote controlled like there's a there's a secondary like puppet element to it in yeah. some way. I think yeah. that's really cool. And uh, there's there's a, I feel like a lot more of that kind of thing in um in Star Wars than Star Trek. But uh speaking of Ghostbusters, I watched a little video about how Slimer was done. Yeah. And it's like it's like a guy in a in a co- he's like in a, you know, black you know, cat suit uh-huh. inside a latex puppet and then there's like it looks like the uh, the people working the phones at a public television pledge drive like in the background uh-huh. like a row of puppeteers working all these like knobs and switches to make all the facial expressions happen
0: that's great and it's just
1: this, like coordinated thing and i feel like being the guy in the suit and then having all those people also helping you like portray a character would be really fun and cool
0: it's weird how like how lifelike original generation Slimer is, it's it's sort of the Yoda problem, right? Yeah. Like, when you CGI something like that, it loses life yeah. somehow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Michael Chabon says Vulcan.
1: Not surprising.
0: Yeah. Spock, Data, Odo, and and Dax. <laughs> Quick question, yes or no? Will we get to see Laris and Jabon again? And we should note that at this moment in time, we've seen the first six episodes of Star Trek Picard.
1: Boy, I would be... Pretty shocked if we didn't, given how much has been done with those characters so far,
0: I'm gonna come out on the other side. I think to see them again would mean Picard has gone home, and if he's gone right. home, what
1: would that mean for his mission because they have to stay at the at the winery, yeah. to be safe, yeah, because they're enemies of the talshiar.
0: I hate that that's
1: my answer because uh because Laris is the best, yeah. I wonder if Laris and Jabon could get along with the uh, co op Malat, though. Or are they too dipped in Tal training? I mean, they... they the co Malat don't want Jabon. I feel hell like, no. I He's a ruffle. I feel like they would like Laris, though.
0: The candor that uh, that Laris shows seems to be like absolute candor edging. <laughs> like, she's not totally co Malat, but I think she could... Yeah. Like, she could go into a co op Malat bar and... <laughs> and... And experience the culture like that, like as a cultural tourist. Right. She'd be like, why are the drinks so much
1: cheaper in here? (laughs) What's that hole in the bathroom? (laughs) (laughs) They have a coat check and a pants check? What?
0: Random question. Okay. We both know what Michael Chabon looks like. I think many people do. He has a very specific look. (laughs) Good looking guy. Yeah. Uh, Question is, how can I grow an awesome beard? Such as yours, <laughs> and I'm uh, looking at you right now, looking at you in the face, Ben. I have moved to Los Angeles. I have not seen my new home yet.
1: I drove directly here so we could record this show. <laughs> you are a beardsman currently. I am currently a beardsman, but not a not a not a full luscious yeah. beard. Uh,
0: I think I think there may there may be many people in our
1: viewership with this kind of question,
0: like, uh, "How do you grow a beard? <laughs> what uh, like? I I certainly." Yeah, have questions. Frankly, Jordy, I like the beard. Do you hold your breath and
1: just sort of blow? <laughs> yeah. You, uh, you, you pinch your nose shut and uh-huh. blow out. Um, I grew this beard with the intention of just cutting it off when I had a, a mustache, but my mm-hmm. wife uh, caught wind of that part of the plan and forbade it. So then I just decided to pause that beard. Um, so I think I got to mu- like I think my mustache is a lot fuller than my beard, and and I think that uh, can confirm, but not overly so. Yeah, the 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 trick is that uh, it's very itchy for a long time. Yeah, as your face gets used to it, and this is the first time I've done it where I have some uh, some beard oil. I went to like mm. a, a keels. Does does oiling your face not make you more subject to acne? In the way oily faced people are? Um, you're not supposed to use it all the time. Mm-hmm. And also you when you rub it in, it's very like what they told me, and I don't know, but uh, Dr. Keel. Yeah, yeah. What what the lady in the fake lab coat at the Keels told me to do was yeah. rub it in very vigorously so that it exfoliates a little bit. And I don't know if that plays into it or not. Oil for exfoliation. Well, it's the, it's the hair that's doing the exfoliating. That's it's right. Like, it's like self-exfoliant. Mm. Uh, it's the ground up uh, peach pits in right. the oil. Yeah. That seemed to help with the itchiness. And then, I don't know, just getting a trimmer and- having a plan.
0: I'm looking at your beard and I, and I can't see the individual hairs. And this is a, (laughs) after, after a couple of weeks, this is the level I can't seem to push past It's like, I'm seeing individual hairs on my face and then I give up.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't, I am probably like just below the amount of facial hair density you want for a beard. Like I probably should not be fucking with this, but yeah, I am just out of Obstinence, I think you pull it off great. Oh, thanks, it's, buddy. You're at least a half Chebon. <laughs> uh,
0: his answer says uh, it helps to be pure of heart. Mm-hmm. Clearly, I am not. Adam, what do we? What do you say we do? Two more questions. All right. Parts of Star Trek: Picard feel like a great
1: road movie. Any favorite road movies? Ooh. Uh, it's been a long time since I've seen. Euro trip or road trip, but I remember yeah. those being fun diversions back in the day. Yeah. I imagine they're, <laughs> I imagine those don't necessarily hold up perfectly, right? Uh, given the era that they were made in,
0: yeah. The there, there's some troubling <laughs> aspects to the years between 1995 and 1998. Yeah, I just
1: rewatched Thelma and Louise, uh, oh, with my yeah. wife, and that is a fucking great movie. How does that hold up? It's, it's been a while for me. It's like. I feel like it's like more timely now than it was when it came out. Almost wow. Um, yeah, it's it's really good, and uh, you know that element of it just like ending with a bang mm-hmm. is pretty fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you're going for more than one season of television, I think you probably can't quite do that. But right, right. Um, I don't know. How about you? What's your what you got a a road movie fave? The one that comes to mind
0: off the top of my head is Tommy Boy. Huh. One of my favorite movies of all time, maybe one of my most watched films Wow! ever. There was a time where that that movie was just on, was just on in the background. I haven't seen it in years. Yeah, I haven't seen it in years either. I wonder if it's still good. I hope it is. Oh my God, we're burning alive! Michael Chabon says, The Wizard of Oz, obviously. Hmm. Uh, I said obviously, not him. Uh, Sullivan's Travels, The 400 Blows. Wow. Which is an interesting pick Badlands Five Easy Pieces Almost Famous Which I didn't consider But Almost Famous Great road movie
1: Yeah Sullivan's Travels Is the one that inspired Oh Brother Where Art Thou Which is definitely a fave of mine
0: Total road movie Yeah Midnight Run Little Miss Sunshine <laughs> It to Mama Tambien And wow. Ben This is right over the plate for you Pee Wee's Big Adventure One of the great road movies. (laughs) This is a question related to what we were talking about early on in the show, which is how have you been coping with the more unscrupulous folk from the Star Trek fandom? I imagine it's tiring. So, Ben, how do you cope with the more unscrupulous folk from the greatest gen slash friendly fire fandom?
1: Well... Uh we actually have been, I think, pretty lucky mm. overall. Yeah. In having an audience that's pretty big but genuine generally super positive and fun and cool. Um, we did have like somebody in you know, the like f- month or so leading up to Star Trek Picard dropping, I think was mainly when this person was active, but there was like somebody making sock puppet Twitter accounts mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. just abusing us like everyday new awful things that this person was saying. And I, and it very much seemed like one or maybe two people at most uh-huh. doing it. And, uh, I think that actually really got me over the hump of just being like, I can just block people and it's fine. Like, yeah. I don't like, I think I was like precious about social media in a way where I was like, well, it's not the real experience or something mm-hmm. if you're not seeing all the parts of it, but like it's, it was very like... Yeah,
0: there's like an interest in... Like very early on, I felt that sense of needing to uh to consume all of it. Yeah. Read all the comments
1: everywhere. Well, and I think that like early on, the audience was small enough that the comments were almost all good faith, mm-hmm. whether they were positive mm-hmm. or negative. Like if they were negative, they were saying something that was like, hey, like I didn't agree with the way you guys did this. And uh-huh. we actually learned a ton from that stuff. Yeah. And I think yeah. that the show has evolved in... Like everything we like do you should
0: edit the show more.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think everything we do has been informed by like uh-huh. missteps or whatever that we made yeah. early on and like learning from them. And I think that like obviously we're still capable of making missteps. Sure. But it has become a thing where at some point a critical mass was reached where there's some people that just like making people feel awful online and
0: yeah. Like when you start out, you have X amount of people and then a percentage of those are, are who you're describing. But when you reach a quad X amount of people, yeah. then you have double X of those people and it feels more like more of an
1: issue. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a proportionality thing. It's a proportionality thing. Totally. And I think, uh, we're super lucky too, because we're like, straight white dudes you know like I can't even imagine what it would be like if we had this size of audience and we weren't straight white dudes like part of it is just being a little bit more zealous about curating what can even interact with my online presence yeah and part of it is just getting used to it like so to some extent it's like developing a a callus over the part of me that has feelings about seeing somebody say something nasty about the show. Like when we do a Q and a episode and I like look at the Apple podcasts reviews and see the ones that are not nice. It's like, you just have to accept that. Like you're not going to get 2,500 nice reviews without a handful of not nice ones.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's healthy. I have been such a stoic for so much of my life that I was surprised at how affected I became by the very few uh cruel reactions to what we do, but now I really don't feel i don't feel that at all
1: yeah, you don't uh, feel anything inside you've become totally dead emotionally
0: <laughs> I mean you joke but uh that's, that's not untrue i wish i i wish we were more like Michael chabon when he says uh I believe in the essential kindness, tolerance, curiosity, and open-mindedness of Star Trek fans and of its fandom, which I've been a part of since I was 10 years old. Wow. That's Chabon Goals right there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, I, hope, uh, I hope that was useful to people.
0: Yeah, that was fun. I, I really want to thank Michael Chabon. Yeah, for uh, being for, the third
1: co-host on this episode.
0: Yeah, I think that was tons of fun. Maybe one day we'll be able to sit down with him in real life. But until that day comes, uh, we'll always have his Instagram. Yeah. And this show will always have your support.
1: Yeah, and uh, we really, again, appreciate everyone that, uh, that keeps us going with the monthly donations especially like on a show like this where we do have kind of like off seasons like the reason that we're able to keep the pilot light going and put out episodes even when there's not new show right. to review is because of you guys so uh, we really really appreciate it and uh,
0: I love doing the show I think it's it's it feels like important in a way to to talk about the new Star Trek shows and yeah. I'm so
1: glad we get to do it i'm i am too it's it's kind of a funny role for us because it's like when we're talking about the new shows like probably what we take the most seriously like you know watching and re-watching every episode yeah. and like doing a lot of research and stuff and then in the off season it's like the creative sandbox show for us where yeah. we like try shit and throw shit at the wall and see what sticks it can really be all things yeah so um so it's it's super fun to. it's a it's a a true privilege to get to do it so thank you very much and uh
0: ben and i thank you and uh also rob's thanks you because uh the reason we're able to have a producer on this show is because of your support
1: yeah let's hear what rob has to say now friends of desoto i was doing the intense calculations and realized that it, this is my third year with uxbridge shimoda and it's been a blast since day one this show and friendly fire continue to bring me so much joy Seriously, thanks so much for your support. Your contributions not only keep this show alive, but continue to allow me to create and stretch my creative freedoms while also bringing you the best Trek Talk possible. So thanks again. MaximumFun.org
0: Comedy and culture.
1: Artist owned, audience supported.